This is Elsian. Pronounced local. Oh, living a creative life. I'm Rawat Majdi. And I'm Muhammad Sirul. We're creatives talking to creatives about what it means to be a creative. So get ready for some delicious conversations and awesome takeaways so that you can maximize your own creative life. Today we have Haider Al Musawi. Haider is the co-founder of Sirdab Lab, a startup hub that helps entrepreneurs start or grow their businesses. He's also an educator, user experience designer, and doesn't like to be limited to a single path in life. Welcome, Haider. We are super excited to have you here today. Thank you for having me. Haider, tell us more about what you do with Sirdab Lab. Okay, uh, so my commitments right now aren't just Sirdab Lab. I I teach at a community college and uh, actually my background is in computer engineering uh, and then I developed an interest in user experience design uh, and uh, I started pursuing uh, two paths essentially one is teaching at a community college and I teach uh, computer related topics uh, and then I also started a business where uh, we do user experience design and user experience design is basically Uh, developing products, mostly websites and mobile applications, to make sure that they're easy for people to use. And then after that, uh, and uh, at the time when I was working in user experience design, there wasn't much of a community where I can connect with people who needed those services. So Sirdab Lab uh, was started in 2014. And uh, initially I was just meant to be a mentor at uh, like covering the area of user experience design. And then my co-founder, Munal Khazim, who had the idea of Sirdab, she said, I actually want you as a co-founder. And at the time I was like, no, I'm too busy. I can't take on other commitments. And she insisted, she's very persuasive. So uh, <laughs> I joined as a co-founder. And um, basically when we started in 2014, our main focus was to build a community around people interested in entrepreneurship and uh, startups, so uh, technology startups, uh, or people who wanted uh, more in terms of their career and they wanted a place where they can connect with other ambitious people. Very cool, very cool. So in regards to your user experience uh, company, can I call it a company, yes. I guess? Um, do you guys do A to Z? Like, do you create the website for the for the person or do you offer consultations or help with that with we, user experience uh, we do we have partnerships with companies that do the development what we handle is the competitive analysis so uh, the, the thing about building a business or a mobile app for example you need to see what uh, what are the available alternatives in the market so we do a competitive analysis to make sure that what whatever we're building uh, will stand out uh, in the market. And we also develop uh, something called user personas. So representations of the kinds of uh, customers you're looking to target. Because if you speak to anyone in business, usually when they think about their customers, they think of a demographic. So a woman between the ages of 18 and 35, for example. But demographics don't really tell you much about the interests of that person because women who fall within the same within let's say the ages of 18 and 35 
don't all have the same interests. So what we focus is, uh, on uh, is something called psychographics. So in terms of their way of thinking, their interests, and we represent different customers as personas. A persona is representative of a group of people with shared interests. And we come up with user uh, stories. Uh, user stories are scenarios of how the app is going to be used, how the mobile, uh, how the website will be used. Uh, and then from, from that, we, we flesh out a design that hopefully captures uh, user interests. Hi, that, that was beautiful. That, this is the, for me the, the first time to hear about the, the customer personas. Or, um, but I'm curious, do you think that we can apply for this, the same concept somewhere else other than the apps and business um, studying? Uh, okay, so user personas or customer personas aren't limited to uh, websites and mobile applications. It's applicable to any aspect of business. And you can even apply it beyond business. So, for example, if you're an educator, you can have different uh, personas for the different types of students that you get to meet. Uh, some students are only interested in the grades. Others, they want to learn and they're interested in the subject itself. Uh, other students, they don't believe in themselves. So they wouldn't, they're not able to focus because they think it's not something that they can understand themselves. So you have to think of these students as falling within different uh, profiles. And then you say, okay, this student, how do I uh, teach them in the best way suited for their interests, suited for their struggles? So the persona does help, help out a, a lot in uh, condensing the most relevant um, like, uh, aspects of um, a, a relationship or an engagement uh, by making sure that you understand them and like what's going on in their heads as much as possible very interesting very interesting so in a sense you're thinking more about the person that you're reaching rather than the huge population of people that you're reaching whether it's in regards to like a website or app um, or even a teaching experience you're thinking about individual stories or individual kind of exactly and not just that you don't think about the product you think about the user you think about the interaction you think about the intention. So what does the user want to do? And there's this um, uh, principle in marketing. Uh, you, don't tell, uh, you don't sell the drill, you sell the hole. <laughs> so it's what does the user want at the end of it? Very interesting. That's beautiful. Haider, what has your experience been with working with uh, Sardab Lab so far? We'd love to hear more about how that's been going. Okay. Uh, it's been an amazing experience. Um, and uh, w what's really nice, so I have um, great co-founders uh, and I have a great team and w I enjoy working with them. Like we joke during the meetings, we have like, and we're very open to different ideas. So uh, as an experience, it's enjoyable, uh, but it's also been uh, stressful in the sense of there are uh, many things that we didn't figure out at the beginning. So we had to figure out uh, as we, we were building the business. Um, uh, and what I like is we actually applied some startup ideas in how we run our own uh, business. So, uh, for example, uh, one of the key principles that actually our tagline was, uh, if it's perfect, it's too late. Uh, because a lot of people, they try to perfect building a business and they say, we're not going to launch anything until every we get everything right. 
but that delays the launch and then you're not able um, uh, not only does it delay the launch it makes you assume that you can figure things out before interacting with customers so uh, with Sardab Lab when we started uh, I remember Muna was like we need to design the actual space and I told her you know like for the design of the space you need to know how it's going to be used and like I, I mentioned a few things and she's like we're not able to figure things these things out until we actually have a space that people can use so we made it so that like the the tables can be moved easily so we can see what what kind of arrangement uh, people will use it in you know like having that flexibility and acknowledging that there are many things we don't know uh, when we're starting out. Okay, but if you don't get everything right from the very get-go before you launch, how do you respond to a mistake that happens or how do you respond to the changes that you see in what you're using or what you made? Okay, uh, that's an excellent question. Uh, the way I see it, uh, uh, first of all, you have to identify what kind of mistakes you can make like you don't want to uh, start a business and then launch it and then end up realizing that you know nothing about the space or like the industry itself the kinds of mistakes i'm talking about or the imperfections are the things that you can't figure out from the very beginning you need to actually test it out with real customers and this is especially the case the more innovative the business is because there are so many things, so many unknowns that you can never figure out without actual engagement. And there's a common principle in the startup world. It's called uh, get out of the building. Basically, don't make assumptions in your office about how people will interact with your with your product, with your business. Actually test it out, see what they, their response is. So with many traditional businesses, let's say, for example, uh, restaurants, there are so many standards in terms of running the kitchen, in terms of the design of the actual restaurant, that you can uh, reach perfection or near perfection. But there are, like, you, uh, you also have to accept that there's a lot of leeway when it comes to uh, things that have not been tested out before. I love the idea of getting out of the building, um, like, actually to look for what people think of your product, whatever the product is, like if it's a poem or maybe a short story that you're trying to write, um, you wouldn't be able to understand how good or bad the story is until you actually get out of the building, get out of your, your room and, and share it with others so they can see. Um, but again, the, the I want to ask you about this question and I don't know if you have an answer for Taking that courage to open Sadab Lab, even that you have never been, you know, uh, like you never started such a, such a project before, it's, it's actually making me think, like, how do, can you deal with the fear of the beginning, of the start, if, that, if that's something... Okay, so I have two interesting stories. Uh, when we started Sadab, um, we were hesitant, we didn't feel comfortable uh, selling things to actually accept money from people we weren't comfortable with that and uh, uh, at the time we had a three-week program and it cost 350 kd so we felt really like apprehensive and the way we handled it is we we actually role played 
within the team. Oh, that's fine. So, okay. uh, Mona would try to sell me the boot camp or I would try to sell it to uh, Galia at the time. So, uh, th- that kind of uh, broke the ice for us. It made us less intimidated. Uh, and another f- funny thing, um, uh, we came up with a person within the team that did not exist. Okay? And we called him Hussein. Okay. So, any question we couldn't answer... And we'd say, oh, Hussein is handling that. We'll get, uh, we'll ask Hussein and come back to you on it. Oh my God, that's actually beautiful. Yeah. It's actually like, you know. Uh, although I don't think we use it as much, but yeah. like having that escape plan, I thought like it was amusing at the time. Were you, you were you using it with actual customers? Like if a customer asked you a question you didn't know the answer to? Uh, yeah, the intention it? was to use it with wow. customers. <laughs> yeah. That's actually so smart. <laughs> you know, like, I remember, I remember, like I read something like about uh, transferring responsibility is actually one of the thing, one of the techniques that you can release the anxiety or fear of something. Like, um, for example. Uh, uh, I want to do this, but I don't know if I'm going to fail. But if it fails, maybe I can just, you know, blame it on <laughs> something else. It's, 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 okay, I'm not trying to no, use it in a... In a, in a uh, but I, I, yeah, make... uh, no, I uh, definitely agree with you. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, you can play mental tricks with yourself. Uh-huh. And actually, going back to the idea of personas, you can use personas by yourself for yourself. So you can say, me as a scientist me as a business owner, me as a creative. So you use these different personas and then you, you try to live up to a certain, like a, a certain representation of, or a role that you want to fulfill. Uh, or even like when it comes down to, to working on something specific, let's say you have the next three hours, you want to work, you want to make use of them as an artist. And then you say to yourself, okay, me as an artist, what do I look like? Mm. Okay. Um, so what was the question again? It was related to... Transferring responsibility. Yes, transferring yeah, responsibility. Yeah. So you can play these mental tricks with yourself and say, uh, if, if uh, this doesn't work out, I'm going to blame this rubber ducky that's on my yeah, exactly, desk. It's yeah. fine. Like, <laughs> sometimes you need to navigate mental space in creative ways yeah definitely i think part of being creative or part of launching or part of selling is trying to figure out how to mentally you know process the whole thing because it's not an easy thing to do it's not an easy thing to share your work and i'm talking about in the sense of creatives it's not an easy thing to like even get out of the building and talk to people hey i made this thing look at it like tell me how you feel about it tell me how you would use it it's not easy and big part of taking care of all of that is taking care of yourself and figuring out what mental space can you get into so that you can do it properly because it's very nerve-wracking definitely yeah Uh, i would also recommend uh, something i personally found useful is uh, stoic philosophy Uh, and one of the and one of the reasons why i found it beneficial is that it allows you to disconnect between uh, how you see yourself and how others see you or or the reality of where where you are right now. So sometimes you, you acknowledge to yourself, I've not, I'm not, uh, or I'm trying to learn how to start a business uh, now. Let's say. But when you think about other people, you think, okay, they they might see me as a failure. They might um, think that I'm incompetent. Whatever uh, the, the, like impressions they may have, and then you project those impressions on your 
own experiences. But what like Stoic philosophy is about acknowledging that perceptions are just perceptions. They're like opinions in people's heads. We don't need to invest a lot of time and effort changing opinions in people's heads. So that disconnect, I think, uh, is really important. Um, something that I've been thinking about lately and something that I keep in mind when I share my work um, is that even if someone really didn't like what I made, um, I'm never going to know. Like, most likely, I'm never going to know. Even if they hate it, it's going to stay in their head. Maybe they'll talk about it with their friends. Maybe they'll say, oh, Rawat's work sucks. But in the end, I'm never going to know, and that's not going to change my life. True, Rawa. That's that's actually interesting that you shouldn't care much of what people think. But at the same time, I do believe that if if there's a way for us to improve, is actually by acknowledging our mistakes, acknowledging what actually we have done wrong. Um, I, I would like yeah, to add. Yeah, to this. please do. So, it's not about not caring what other people think. Mm-hmm. It's about accepting that what they think. Is just that it's their thoughts, so it's not a representation mm. of reality, and it doesn't mean it's always going to be this way. Because one of the issues that I think everyone struggles with uh, is uh, like uh, have, uh, developing a self-image based on other people's perceptions or based on past experiences. So a, a self-image is like a, snap, a snapshot, like somebody took a picture of you and told you this is what you're going to be for the rest of your your life. But a picture is not representative of who we are and who we can become, okay? So it's not, again, not dismissing other people's uh, opinions. It's just treating them as opinions. That's beautiful. uh, As if you're trying to disconnect. Yes. And and, uh, sorry, I would also add uh, two other things. You can't please everyone. So no matter what you do, you have to keep in mind there's a a tribe, there's a group that will connect with your work. Everyone else doesn't matter. Like they can find their other tribe, uh, their own place. Okay, yeah. not within you your personas, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, one of the things uh, we teach, especially in the startup bootcamp, is that people should should be able to self-filter even with the mobile applications or or websites make make it as clear as possible as early as possible what the app or website does so people who aren't interested can leave okay and this is the the greatest respect you can show people who are not being targeted by your product don't waste their time while for them to try to figure out whether this is for them or not Okay, allow them to, to self-filter. And I would also add, um, this is, applies especially to uh, creatives or uh, writers, uh, you can't really gauge the impact your work has or will have because people in general uh, suck at um, sharing or expressing their gratitude or, or uh, expressing their appreciation, okay? And I wrote this, like I wrote an article about how people suck at expressing uh, the, their gratitude or their appreciation. Because uh, uh, and your work has more impact than what than you think. Okay, I wrote the article. A few months after that, people were still quoting that specific article, even though I didn't like 
when I posted it, maybe two people commented. And then after that, people were referencing it in their own articles, which goes to show if you just like think of the likes and the comments and the uh, responses there and then, you're not capturing the entire impact of your of your work. Uh, and I've had this experience repeated several times. Like I met someone uh, five years after stopping a blog and he told me, oh, that, that used to be my favorite blog. Okay, so again, like your work has more impact than you give it credit for. So th there are two sides for us to consider. Uh, one is that we, we shouldn't try to please everyone. Mm. And on the flip side, uh, our work has more impact than we give it credit for. Our tribe is actually bigger than what we imagine it to be. Haidar, you're definitely bringing a lot of uh, business advice to our creative listeners, and I really appreciate that, honestly. I'm thinking about all that you're saying right now, and I'm like, oh my God, I need to write it down. Yeah, so please okay. write a book, I have to say. I don't, you've, read, you've written a book already, haven't you? I have. It's uh, on productivity. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, you need to write a book that is like... Maybe this shouldn't be part of the, the episode, but I, I, everything you've said so far is so interesting. So whatever this topic is that we're talking about right now, a book about <laughs> it. <laughs> okay, okay. And targeting creatives. Maybe targeting yeah, creatives. Maybe yeah, targeting I totally agree, yeah. Uh, startups or entrepreneurs, but whatever See, it I, is. I believe all the creatives are suffering and facing such, you know, obstacles, you know. But maybe the business field has more solutions to it like uh, has more experience maybe i'm not sure like starting a project or starting a, a, a an, an idea or company is is the same as you know starting a filmmaking habit you know you get what i'm saying like it's yeah. it's it's, it's, it's uh, you have to invest in a new camera you have the, the the obstacles of like oh i have no clue how to use this and blah 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 um, the, yeah, I'm saying the business ideas. I guess now I understand why people like love to read business books. Because <laughs> it can yeah. be it can be basically taken and put across a lot of things, and not only business. Mm -hmm. And so I think I definitely agree with you. Creatives have this um, issue where they get the creativity, they can do the art, they can write the poem, they can write the short story, they can make whatever it is. But then when it comes to actually pu publishing or putting their stuff out there. They can do that too, but then afterwards, it's like, what am I doing? They don't have the business side of things. And so it's really interesting to hear from you um, kind of how to publish, how to learn from your mistakes, how to um, work through your audience or to speak to your audience in a way that's like, okay, I'm talking to you, specifically you, instead of everyone in the world. Um, I don't know if that made sense, but yeah, I, I, I do think there's a huge overlap between uh, personal development and personal ambition and building a business. Um, and uh, especially if you want to dedicate more time in your life for the things that you're interested in, you have to make them sustainable. So how can you, how are you able to make money, for example, out of the thing that you, you love doing? Uh, in order for you to spend more time doing it. So uh, Patreon, for example, is a platform that allows creatives to monetize uh, their work and their ambition. Uh, there's also a really interesting idea 
It's called the 1000 true fans. And the basic idea behind it is uh, you don't need, again, uh, going back to the point of you don't need to uh, convince everyone. You don't need to target everyone. All you need are a thousand people. Okay. These are your true fans. And if each one of them pays pays you a hundred dollars in the span of a year, a hundred dollars, a thousand people, a hundred dollars in one year, you would have made a hundred thousand dollars. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Yes, and no, and it's very doable. And then you can play around with the numbers in terms of okay, um, you, you don't want a hundred, uh, you don't want them paying a hundred thousand. Sorry, a hundred dollars. Uh, you want them paying fifty dollars, then you need two thousand true fans. Okay, so uh, adjust the the pricing in terms of uh, adjust the price, and then adjust the frequency of how frequently will they pay you, and then the volume. How many people would you need, and then you'll realize that the numbers can be very low, but you also can have a sustainable business out of that so figuring out the math on how to make your passion something that you can get paid for yes and uh, a lot of people the way they think about it is i need to be a millionaire to have the freedom to pursue my interests or to be able to do the things i love Uh, if you actually break it down you don't need millions uh, and it's very doable for you to pursue uh, the path that you want incredible amazing so, Haider, you have talked a little bit about your experiences across the user experience company and Sirdab Lab and the different things that you do. How do you balance all of that, also being a dad? How do I balance? I don't. don't. <laughs> I struggle. Uh, but uh, for, me, I, for me, it's really important that I'm able to have uh, different areas where I get to exp- uh, express and experience multiple interests and I think a lot of people feel like once they select a career path they have to stick to it and then they can't uh, pursue other interests and um, what I found really useful is a book called uh, how to be everything and there's uh, there's actually a growing community of people that acknowledge that they're what's called what's what's referred to as multi-potentialite or multi-potentialite and there's also the term uh, rena- renaissance soul. So acknowledging that you have multiple interests, you can pursue them in many different and creative ways. So with me, I I try to to like uh, do different activities. So within my work, I get to write, which is something I enjoy. Uh, I get to come up with social media strategies. I get to uh, teach. So. Um, I educate uh, others. Uh, I get to work on designs. I get to explore strategy. So there are multiple activities that I enjoy doing. And I picked a path for me that allows me to experience all these things. Amazing. Thank you so much, Haidar, for sharing. That was your... beautiful. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for... <laughs> you totally interrupted me. <laughs> oh, so it's going to continue. <laughs> you going to talk go about on. something? No, go yeah. on. 
Go on. You're gonna have to keep this in the episode. I'm, I'm keeping it because we <laughs> always like we we have to, you know. It's like know. a tradition at this point where at the end we like talk over each other. We don't I don't know why. Say. There's a trigger. Like she <laughs> says something, you have, you <laughs> have to respond. I say thank you. <laughs> yeah, like, thank you. Okay, I have to freak out now. I mean, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. We really appreciated having you, and uh, hopefully our listeners can take this advice, put it into place, and make so much money that they don't know what to do with it maybe they'll send you some yeah i would love that <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much Heather. it's been a pleasure thank you